It's up to you to decide whether the risk of losing money is greater than the risk of missing out on a serious payday. Ben Taylor. Hey, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of Easier with a Friend. We are friends who love to talk about money, and recently we've been dedicating some time to learning about digital money. As always, this is Chi. And this is Elaine. And today we wanted to share some of our findings about crypto with you. Precisely. If you are anything like us, you generally disregarded crypto until it started dominating the news. And now that it's been around for some years and Bitcoin has reached tens of thousands of dollars per coin, you might feel like you're too far behind the curve to catch up. Well, we don't believe that's true. And Chi and I both feel like we should educate ourselves about new financial trends. So we are here to share our thoughts and findings with you. First of all, what is cryptocurrency? Well, let me just give you the definition. A cryptocurrency is a digital or virtual currency that is secured by cryptography, which makes it nearly impossible to counterfeit or double spend. And that's like the literal online definition, right? The official (laughs) quote unquote definition we pulled. But in layman's terms, what does that mean? And in reality, why does Bitcoin have value? So I think to truly understand crypto and the value of it, like what gives it intrinsic value, you almost have to go back to understanding how normal world currency works. Because I think the original concept of crypto was that it could be free from all of the kind of world currency standards and be freely traded on the internet. I mean, really kind of going back to it, I think a lot of Americans probably believe or assume that our dollars are actually backed up by something, right? Gold, silver, something that has more intrinsic value. And this was true of the United States all the way up until 1933, which was the year that the United States started going off of the gold standard. And that was under Franklin Roosevelt. And then in 1971, Nixon completely abolished the gold standard. Now, what does that mean? It means that Nowadays, and world currencies now work this way, right? Nowadays, the US dollar does not have value because we have enough gold in the vault to support the value. The US dollar has value because of how much we state that the dollar is worth. So the US government just says, this is how much my dollar is worth. And the world goes, okay, (laughs) right? And this is Part of the reason why in more developed countries with stronger governments that their currency is more stable because their word is worth more, right? So the original concept of crypto was invented, I guess you would say, by Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, the interesting thing about this person, quote unquote, is that They've always remained anonymous. To this day, nobody knows who they are. So it could be a person, it could be a group of people who used that name to publish their paper about crypto. So the original paper that they published was back in 2008 about the concept of crypto or of Bitcoin uh, specifically and how they thought that would work and how they thought that would benefit world currency. And The main thing was they wanted a currency that was essentially self-supporting in value because 
Right now, the government just says how much your dollar is worth, and that's what it's worth. Bitcoin is supported in its value essentially by almost like a supply-demand curve, right? So the way that Bitcoin was theorized in terms of gaining value is that there is a finite number of Bitcoins that will ever be mined. Uh, And we'll get into mining in just a second, but that will ever be created, I guess we should say. So 21 million Bitcoins is the finite number of how many Bitcoins there will ever exist in the world. And as Bitcoin gets created, as more Bitcoins get released on the market, less and less Bitcoins get released at one time. So based on the original calculation, the final Bitcoin will be created, put into circulation in the year 2140. So that's another 138 years from now is when the final Bitcoin will be created. And as of today, I think we have roughly 19 million Bitcoin in existence, in circulation already. So as you can see, over the next 138 years, less and less and less Bitcoin will actually be put into circulation every year. As this item gets more scarce, it becomes greater in value, right? I think that's a pretty good explanation of why cryptocurrency like Bitcoin has value. It is interesting because we did learn in school about how the U.S. dollar used to be backed up by gold. But at some point, that's no longer true. But we've always trusted in the U.S. dollar because of the government. So I think learning about the history of Bitcoin has really helped to put value in that system. Right. Well, and I think it's very interesting because for most of our lifetime, the word of the U.S. government has always been good enough to back up our dollar, right? But some years ago, our credit rating got downgraded. And I think that was kind of, for me, a bit of a wake-up call in terms of, hey, maybe the U.S. dollar isn't always going to be worth what we think it's worth. And I think more recently, seeing what's happening in Ukraine, I think about how much things can change overnight. And it really made me think about having, I guess, currency that is maybe not tied to a certain country because Bitcoin is literally not based in any country, anything like that. It is purely an internet currency. Because, I mean, if you think about, if I think about my current net worth, right, holdings, investments, whatever, it's all in the US. But if, let's say today, what happened to Ukraine happened to the US, well, I would have to be leaving most of my assets behind. And it, Bitcoin to me, or cryptocurrency to me, gives you a little bit more, maybe peace of mind that no matter where you go, this money follows you. And it was also created to solve a problem in terms of they didn't want a currency that had to bypass a bank that had to be routed through Wells Fargo. Even PayPal, which is an online payment processor, is technically a bank that is owned by somebody. Bitcoin is owned by nobody. It is a free currency, essentially, that is completely backed up by the work that is done by the people who participate in mining it, right? So Now we get to (laughs) the whole mining concept and 
what we're referring to when we talk about mining. In layman's terms, really, how the mining on Bitcoin works is that the way that Bitcoin was created, it's because it's digital currency and you cannot verify the transaction across countries. Let's say I'm sending a Bitcoin from here to Finland, Finland to Japan. And how do you know that that particular Bitcoin isn't being copied or spent twice? So Bitcoin really is made up of two separate parts. One, the private key or the hash, as people call it, which is a 64-digit unique code of letters and numbers that are specified to each Bitcoin, which is how they know that A, you own that one, right? And that B, that coin isn't getting spent twice by you. And part two is the blockchain, which is essentially the online ledger that tracks all the transactions of Bitcoin. So kind of like your bank has a ledger, this is the online version because it's Bitcoin. And the way that people mine Bitcoin is that they basically are going in every day and verifying all the transactions on each block of what happened in Bitcoin that day. So let's say 25,000 transactions took place, they're confirming all of those transactions. And so that's why when you hear people saying that, hey, when I mine, the computer is solving math problems, it's really not a math problem as much as a hash confirmation. So they are basically going through and guessing the hashes of all the numbers in that block. And anyone who solves that block first that day gets the Bitcoin for that block. The other thing is that roughly every four years or so, the number of Bitcoin that you earn when you solve one of these blockchain problems is reduced by half. So essentially back in 2009, when the first Bitcoin was mined, finishing one block would get you 50 Bitcoin. And then in 2012, it was 25. And then 2016, it was 12 and a half. And then starting in 2020, now you only earn 6.25 Bitcoin per block that you solve. But I mean, that, of course, is offset by the fact that now Bitcoin is worth more than $40,000 a Bitcoin. So even solving for six Bitcoin a day earns you $240,000 in Bitcoin money. But that's really the, the gist of it. So moving on, who should invest in crypto? Because like I said in a previous episode, I was brought up in a very financially conservative family, if you will. And I think you have to ask yourself this question too. What's your level of comfort when it comes to taking risk? So Elaine, are you invested in Bitcoin? Do you plan to invest in crypto? What's your take on this after doing more research and learning (laughs) about the origin of cryptocurrency? So I did a calculation and basically crypto or Bitcoin specifically, began actually trading on the market in 2010. And in 2010, it traded at 0.0008 cents per Bitcoin. Meaning if you had put in $200 back in 2010, you would have bought 250,000 Bitcoins. And as of today's recording, Bitcoin is at $41,288 per coin. So that would be the equivalent of if you had spent $200 back in 2010, never used it, today you would be worth $10,322,025,000. Wow. Yeah. Now, people hear numbers like that all the time, right? And go, oh my gosh, I should buy X number of dollars in crypto. Now, before you go out and do that, we do have a word of caution because... I will say a few years ago, before I understood crypto so well, we did put just a couple, it was like 
we did a hundred dollars in, I think it was like XPF or whatever. And we put a hundred dollars in something else. I'm pretty sure we don't have any money. It, like I'm it's, it's worth pennies on the dollar at this point. If, if at all, uh, honestly, the thing is my husband can't even remember his login to, <laughs> wallet to see the value of what we bought. So there's also that, but that's the word of caution, right? Because there are so many cryptocurrencies out there now. It's because of the success of Bitcoin, which is a unique concept in and of itself, that all these copycats have sprung up. Yeah, I think your little example there with you is such a good example because I have read in our research that most people lose money when they invest in cryptocurrency. So that's really important to remember because this is not the same as, let's say, investing in the S&P 500. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, from the article that I read, unless you were picking the winning five, the top five cryptocurrency, you're probably much better off investing in the S&P 500 because when you look at the returns on your investment, if you're able to choose something like Bitcoin, as Elaine just quoted, $200 in 2010 would have made you a billionaire by now, right? <laughs> so the return is insane if you are able to pick the winning one. But if you didn't, you are more likely to have lost money because most of the cryptocurrency have decreased by more than 100% in terms of returns. And so the S&P 500 would be a safer and more secure form of investment in comparison. So if you are wanting to invest in cryptocurrency, don't invest money that you aren't willing to lose. Only invest what is extra, right? What is not gonna, let's say, prevent you from paying your mortgage or eat or do the essentials if you're yes. gonna lose that money. But do your research. And it's one of those things where you have to continually to do your research. The top two crypto is Bitcoin and Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And there's still room to make money. You can still do a buy and hold. You still have to research. You still have to watch your investment. I think for me, my family and the way I was brought up, we are very, very cautious. And our risk level is minimal. Very, very minimal. I am not invested at all in crypto. And when we were doing this research and Elaine was sharing some of the findings with me, I thought it was quite interesting that, and this is something I didn't know actually, that there's more than one way for you to acquire cryptocurrency. You can buy it with regular US dollar, regular money, or you can mine it, right? Obviously mining Bitcoin specifically is probably not going to be that profitable because of the equipment and electricity. But I believe that there is still a chance that the winning crypto may still be out there and it may not be Bitcoin or Ethereum. And if you do enough research, you may still have a chance to find that crypto that may be the, the one that's going to stick, that's going to take over and become a currency in the global market. And so I think for myself, I would be interested in investing, but I am intimidated by the amount of research that it takes and the amount of time that it takes to do it. Yeah. Well, and I think because there's just so much involved with cryptocurrency and I've been doing some research on mining kind of basics. Most of the time these days, people 
on a normal computer are not going to be able to mine a blockchain of Bitcoin by yourself. The amount of computing power that it takes, most people join a pool of people mining for Bitcoin. And if your pool wins the blockchain that day, you'll get commensurate payout based on however much computing power you contributed personally, right? So that's a way to do that. And also most pools these days won't mine for Bitcoin because again, it's gotten so difficult. The computing power required to achieve this has gotten so high that most groups these days will mine for Ethereum, right? So just like Chi says, it's the second most successful cryptocurrency. But if you create something that can be sold for crypto, and that's the reason I think something like NFTs, which is a non-fungible token, essentially digital art. If you can create something that can be sold for crypto, that might be a way for you to get crypto without having to put out actual money. Of course, take that with a word of caution. Certainly, there's a lot of money to be made off this new financial sector, but there's also a lot of money to be lost, right? So just like all things, if you don't understand it well enough, maybe don't gamble with the money. Or if you're going to gamble with the money, then make sure it truly is gambling money. Unfortunately, that's the end of Easier with a Friend for today. As always, we appreciate all of you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, maybe take time to reach out to a friend and chat about crypto updates. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on Facebook, Spotify, or Apple so you won't miss any new episodes. Follow us on Instagram at Easier with a Friend, on our Facebook page, Easier with a Friend, or email us at easierwithafriend at gmail.com. Check out our website, easierwithafriend.com for today's transcript. 